leading us into worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we'll be in the book of Psalms 100. Um, we're looking at five verses of Scripture in the Psalms, and we'll also be looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. So those are marked in your bulletin. You can open up your Bibles or your copy of God's Word, and we'll get to that in just a second. title of the message this week is thankful to God for his blessings. Thankful. It's Thanksgiving, isn't it? I'm bringing the closing in. That was, that's the third amen y'all gave me this morning. We're getting off to a right start. Thanksgiving is a national holiday. I want to share some things with you about Thanksgiving. I want to share with you things about the meaning of Thanksgiving, how it relates to Christianity, how it came to be the basis of our country. I want to share a few things with you and I got a little little story I want to share with you, and all you history majors probably have heard it before, but it's okay. I want to share it with you, so that's to be two Sundays in a row I've shared a story with you, but it sparks a little bit of interest, and so I wanted to share that with you. Thanksgiving's a national holiday. This week, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. This evening, we'll be going over to Calvary Methodist and starting the, the celebration of Thanksgiving with them by our community service, but this Thursday, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. It's the beginning of the holiday season, which lasts through New Year's Day. It's a section of about six weeks that we, a lot of people refer to that, that's the holidays, right? Well, I, last night, uh, Amanda said, we, we should have holidays all through the year. You know, we got Fourth of July, so maybe we should just call the holidays all through the year. But it is the holiday season. For many people, the word holiday is more prominent than the word Thanksgiving, there's a difference between those two words, but for a lot of people, this season and this, this event that takes place this Thursday is more prominent about a word holiday than it is Thanksgiving. It's simply two days off of work or a day off of work or a couple of days off, a long weekend, uh, you know, whatever you look at it, a chance to travel, visit family and friends, be fellowship. And for the most part, this holiday can be easily viewed as centered around what? Food and family. Not too bad things in my life. I like both of those. But it seems like it's called Turkey Day. You ever heard it referred to that? Yesterday. Turkey Day is what I heard it referred to as Turkey Day. Family gatherings together. Plenty of food. Most likely more turkeys are sold the week before Thanksgiving than any other week out of the year. Amen? A lot of turkeys. It's one day that we set aside a year to set aside to reflect on and recognize the things that we are thankful for. When we think about it. I want to ask you something. If you were to evaluate the general population, if you were to evaluate the people that you work with, the people that are, you're around more times than not, would you say that most people complain more about their problems or most people are thankful more about their blessings? What would you say? Problems or blessings? Problems? Problem. Blessings? Lord, help us. That's our world today. God's word says we should be thankful in all things. Do you hear, hear more people talking about their problems or their blessings? But don't get me wrong. I love family time. And Patty and I are going to get to go tomorrow and have some family time. We'll be able to spend this week with our children observing Thanksgiving. And, and it's a great time to be together. And I love food. You've recognized that already. And you've done a good job of making sure that it's there. And having a day off over the years has always been pretty high on my list. Amen. We need a break every once in a while. You need a break. When you work hard and you need a break. But being thankful for God's love and his blessings is an event that should occur not just one day out of the year. 
Not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, but 365 days a year. We need to be thankful in everything. That's what the Bible tells us all year long. In school, we learned about some different things, but I want to share with you some history this morning. History about the National Day of Thanksgiving, how it came about. When I was in school, we learned about the pilgrims and how they came to this country on a difficult journey. You may or may not know that half of the people that set out on this journey did not survive to the end of the journey. They didn't see the new world that they were coming to see. Half the people did not make it. Let's go back to some history. In 1621, they came here to establish a colony. You may remember the story of Governor William Bradford and all the hardships that they endured on this journey. In 1623, that was a long time ago, 1623, Governor Bradford issued a proclamation establishing that there would be a day of thanksgiving. I want to read that proclamation for you. I want want you to see what he was basing this proclamation on, a day of thanksgiving. In this proclamation, he declared, Insomuch as a great father has given us this year of an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squash, vegetables, follow me, it's all right right here in the front, has made the forest abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and insomuch he has protected us from the ravages of the savages. He has spared us from the pestilence and disease. He has granted us the freedom to worship God according to what dictates of our conscience. On that basis, proclaimed on November 25th, 1623, as a day which he said was for, listen up, rendering thanksgiving to the almighty God for all his blessing. That was in 1623. Amen? Amen? Almighty God for his blessing. That's how the nation started. Don't let anybody kid you and say that this nation was not founded on the Almighty God, on God Almighty. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln established a national day of Thanksgiving on the fourth Tuesday of November. In the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving holiday. Listen to what Abraham Lincoln said. He said at that time, no human counsel has devised nor had any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the most high God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. President Roosevelt later moved Thanksgiving holiday to the fourth Thursday in November. Church, we have so much to be thankful for. I I could ask you right now, what are you thankful for? You're sitting there thinking, we have so much to be thankful for, for what God has given us. Even during a year where it seems like we've had one tough issue after another. We've had one tough event after another. It seems like we can't catch a break, but we still have so much to be thankful for. This morning... We're going to look at two different passages of Scripture, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In these verses, we want you to see and realize how God desires for us to observe thanksgiving all year long. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5 says this. Listen, let me stop just a second. I want you to look at God's word. I want you to look at every single word in God's word. Now, this is an English translation from the original Hebrew. So there's a little bit of a variable in that. But I want you to listen to the words because we're going to open up all of these verses this morning and and open up each word individually. It says in verse 1, 
Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, his sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. First Thessalonians 5 verses 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I ask you hide your servant behind the cross. God, I ask that you allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Worship is the most important activity in the church family. Worship is the most important activity. It's not the most important thing that needs to take place, but it's the most important activity. The way we worship may have some variables. There may be some things that have some variables. The environment may be different. The building may be different. The songs we sing may be different. There are some variables to the ways that we worship, but worship, hands down, is the most important thing and most important activity that we can do in the church family. The act of worship is the most important activity that takes place place in our hearts with Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that worshiping God is not some dull event. This is where we're going to get into it a little bit. And I'm going to talk to you about some things that are so important. When we look at this verse of scripture, this isn't some dull event. People to are, are to engage with worship with a sense of excitement, a sense of anticipation, a sense of enjoyment. We're to get into the word. We want to hear from God. We, and we ask and we pray for that every Sunday morning. God, we want to hear from you. We want you to move in this congregation. We want you to move these people. We want to be moved by you. We want to touch you. We want to hear you. We want to see you this morning. Doesn't that excite you? Amen. Amen. Man, when you come into the presence of the Almighty God, doesn't that just excite you? Man, there's nothing more exciting than that. I can tell you there's some things that go on that are exciting, but nothing more exciting. You can't worship the Lord without your emotions. You've got to have your emotions involved, and that's what the, the Scripture tells us that. We have to have our emotions involved. It's not some social exercise. It's not simply just going through the motions. It's not checking off a box. It's not making sure, yeah, I went to church on Sunday. Man, we can go do what we want the rest of the week. I checked that box off. I went Sunday morning so I don't have to go Sunday night. I don't have to go Wednesday night. That's, it's not some just going through the motions. It's an encounter with God. It's an encounter with the Almighty God. It's an encounter with the creator of the universe. You know what that means? He created each of us. He created us in his image, and he wants to have an encounter with us. The Bible says, these words, now we're going to break some words down. I like to do word study. When you're looking at these words, I want you to look heavily at these words. The Bible says we should shout triumphantly to the Lord. Y'all know what that means? Huh? Amen. One translation says, shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with jubilation. 
another good word. Let's look at some of these words, and I want to describe, this is how God's word says we are to worship. This is what God says we need to worship out. Let's look at these, these three words. Jubilation, a feeling of great happiness. It is an emotion. Jubilation, a feeling of great happiness. Triumphantly, a way that shows great happiness or joy to a victory or an achievement. Man, we're talking about victory. We're talking about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, overcoming sin, being raised from the dead so that we could have a right relationship with God. That's triumphant. That's a victory. That's an achievement. Here's a word that I know every one of you know, the word shout. Y'all know what that means? A loud call or cry of expression or strong emotion. Y'all know how to shout? Don't do it in church, though, right? Man, you got to be careful in church. You can't be getting too loud. I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to ask you something. How many yesterday, and I told William, you know, so Tyler checks me. I don't know if y'all know that. Or Tyler keeps me in check. Preached on wine. He says, Katie, you've been meddling. <laughs> Ease up just a little bit. I mean, you've been gone from preaching to meddling, so be careful. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. Yesterday, how many shouts do you think went across uh, football fields yesterday? All across the nation. Do you think people were excited? Do you think they were shouting? Do you think they were emotional? Yes or no? Yes? yes. How many of you think are shouting this morning sitting in church pews? I'm not asking you to shout, but if you do, I'm going to be happy. Because I tell you, it's shouting to the Lord. There's a lot of difference between winning a, a football game or a baseball game or a soccer game. There's a lot of difference to that than knowing that I'm going to have eternally, I'm going to be sitting next to the Father one day. That I'm not going to be separated from him eternal damnation. That I'm not going to be in hell. That's a big difference. I mean, this life is temporary. What we need to be focusing on the things that are eternal. That is the description. Shout, triumphant, jubilation. That's the description of the way the Bible says we are to worship the creator of the universe. Verse 1. It says here, the whole earth. Worship is for the whole earth. God didn't come for just a handful of people. He didn't come for just the one set of people, one particular people. He has his chosen people, but that's all believers. Let me tell you something. No matter what your nationality is, a believer, that's his chosen people. Verse 1 says, worship is for the whole earth, even though Christianity is an inclusive group. Now, it's, a, it's an inclusive group. You've got to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got to be on the reservation list. I want to make sure that you have your name on the reservation list. All people are invited to join this group of celebration. Nobody's left out. It's our choice whether or not we choose to be in that group. But nobody's being left out. The invitation is open for all people. Worship is being thankful for the promises of God. Worship is being recognizing God for who he is, recognizing the things that he's done, the sacrifice that he's made for us, and what he is promising us that he's going to do in the future. That's what worship is. Verse 2, the Lord is God. A little more history for you. The Lord is God. What does that mean? That's a translation of the Hebrew that means Yahweh is Elohim. Those are Hebrew words, and what it talks about is Yahweh, the Lord God. That's the, the word and the name that he gave to his people to show the relationship that he had with them. Yahweh is God. God is the one who, Elohim is the one who represents power. It speaks of power. It lets us know who God is. It lets us know that he's the creator of the universe. Yahweh is Elohim. That's what goes in this scripture right here. He's the one true powerful God. And let me tell you something. That one true powerful God, he wants to have a relationship with each of you. 
He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to have a relationship with your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, all your friends. He desires to have a relationship with his people, and we should give him the recognition that he rightfully deserves. Amen? Y'all are a good group this morning. Y'all must be getting ready for Thanksgiving. Let's go on and see what the Bible says. Now, this is strictly things that the Bible's taken out that we're looking at. The Bible says he made us, and we're his sheep. And this is in Psalm. You know that David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and he talks about the shepherd a lot. The Bible says he, he made us, and we're his sheep. He is our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our provider. He's the one that takes care of all of our needs. He knows what our needs are. He's our source of, of everything that we need. He calms us when the storm takes place. He settles the sea down in the boat when it's getting a little rough. You ever had a rough, rough ride? Yeah. Man, that storms get rough. He comforts us in times of sorrow when we're dealing with difficult situations, when we lose family members. He provides peace that we need. He's the only one that provides a peace that surpasses all understanding. He's the source that fills the void in the lives when, when, when family members have gone on. Not only do we need to worship him, we need to love him. He comforts us. He guides us when we need direction. He corrects us when we're going the wrong way. He redirects us when we need redirecting. He gives us light in the path that's dark. Not only do we worship him as creator, the Bible says that we are his sheep. And he wants us to graze in the pasture. You might understand, well, what is he talking about? What, am I, what does it mean to be a sheep? You say, Brother Kerry, how do I become a sheep? What is he talking about when talking about a sheep? Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says that we must be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Bible says we must be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But also, Jesus said, he made it clear when he's speaking to Nicodemus, what did he say? You must be what? What did he say? born again what in the world does that mean you must be born again he made it clear you got to be born from above you got to be born again you got to be born into the spirit the holy spirit has to come upon you this is a completely different sacrifice for the sins of people man this is different than what was taking place in the old testament this is a once and for lifetime sacrifice aren't you glad isn't it convenient aren't you glad that you ain't got to bring a sacrifice every sunday morning and put it on the altar and sacrifice it for the sins that have taken place this week yes Man, it's a little different now, ain't it? We don't have that. We can read about that. We never had to experience that. Jesus Christ once in a lifetime sacrifice. He covered every single thing. This is where the shepherd died for the sheep instead of the sheep and the lambs dying for the shepherd. And so the sacrifice is a different kind of sacrifice. John 10, 14 through 16 says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. This is a personal issue. This is what David said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And because we belong to him, the good shepherd says this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus said. He didn't mean monetarily rich. He meant a purposeful life, a full life, an abundant life. Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. That's what he says. I've come to give life, not just any life, but to give it more abundantly. He says that I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
But he came for us. He came for a purpose. He came for God's will. He had a mission that was going to take place. He wants you to enjoy life. Let me tell you, he wants you to, to enjoy life. We need to cut the air down. Huh? We can do it. It's hot in here, y'all. Who, who runs the air conditioner around this place? Somebody help me out. It's hot up there. Yes. That's the best. I'm not changing the subject. That's the best part of preaching in this church is I can see everybody. Y'all think y'all hiding from me? I can see all y'all. Huh? Oh, man. He didn't say, I come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. He wants you to enjoy life. God is not trying to quench your spirit. He's not trying to say, don't go to the, the, to the, to the football games. He's not saying that. But what he is saying and what I encourage you is take him with you. Man, let me tell you something. I guarantee you, you can go into an environment where there's a bunch of lost people because that's what Jesus did. He went to where they were, right? Take him with you. Share something with somebody next to you next time you go. Hey, make it count. Make it eventful. Make it something that's worth purpose, all right? He wants you to enjoy life. He provides joy for us. He's the one who gives joy to us. He doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't hang guilt over us and tell us we shouldn't do certain things. He offers salvation as a free gift. Instead, he opens up the word of God. He says, this is the pasture land. This is what I want you to graze on. This is what I want you to feed on. I want you to read the word of God. I want you to grow in it. I want you to feed here. I want you to learn from me. I want you to see the example. Examples that I have gave you. I've, I provided every single answer for you, and it's in the Word of God. And that's where I, I want you to get it. I want you to enjoy the truth that's found in God's Word. Doing this is the secret to a rich and satisfying life. If you want a rich and satisfying life, it comes with studying the Word of God. It comes from grazing on the Word of God. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who comforts. And we need some comfort. He's the shepherd who comforts. He's the shepherd who cares for. He's the shepherd who loves his sheep. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. He's the good shepherd who's willingly sacrificed his life for the sheep. That's why he is the good shepherd. When we look at Psalm 104, let's look at a little bit more on it, because this, this, this is so rich. And this verse is so, and this verse is, all these verses are rich. But he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We're, we're dealing with thanksgiving. Man, this is the thanksgiving psalm. He says, enter his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is a clear indication of the passwords that we need to get into the presence of God. You know, to, to operate anything, you've got to have passwords, right? I got, I got a bunch of them. Every time you turn around, you've got to have a password to do something, right? You've got to change it every 30 days. Y'all change your passwords? You don't have to change these passwords. These are constant. You've got to change these. You don't have to change these passwords. Thanksgiving and praise are the two passwords you need to come into God's presence. If you get these two words down, you'll have everything down about worship. These are the two words you need to focus on, the ones you need to think on. It's thanksgiving and praise. No matter what your circumstances are, give thanks to God and bless his name. No matter how difficult it is, give thanks to God and bless his name. No matter what you're dealing with, that's always, there's always a reason to thank God. So you say, well, Brother Kerry, you just don't know. You just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how difficult it has been for me. You don't know how hard it has been for me. And you still want me to give thanks. But I'm just telling you what the word says. Man, I'm having a tough time right now. I'm having a, a really rough time right now. And I'm, I'm not sure that thankfulness is, is something I'm capable of doing right now. Hands down, this has been the most difficult year for many, many people. 
It's been a hard year for a lot of people. It's been a hard several years. If you think back, family members have left us and gone on to heaven. Sickness seems to be more present than ever. Everybody seems to be dealing with some type of cancer. Man, it's going hard. Debt depression is on the rise. Division in our country is rampant. Our churches and our beliefs are being attacked like never before. I mean, they've been being attacked over the, over across this world. But you look, at, you look at the political issues that we're dealing with and some of the laws that we're having to deal with now, they're being, a, being attacked like never before. It's easy to be thankful when things are going good. I mean, it's easy to say thank you when things are going good. But when it's not so easy as when, when things are not going good, that's when it gets difficult. That's when life deals you a, a tough hand or throws you a curveball every once in a while and you, you didn't know that one was coming. And it can be very difficult to, to get through it. But God's word says this, be thankful in everything. Scripture uses the words like rejoice. These are great words, rejoice, pray, give thanks. And they are all just ordinary words until you add those adjectives to them. When you look at it and you look, look at what's going along with it and you start looking at these, these attachment words where it says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. That's when it gets a little bit difficult. That's when it gets a little bit harder. The Christian who walks with the Lord and keeps constant communication with the Father understands these words, understands what it means to to give thanksgiving all day long. Let's look at a few things. This is hard. This is hard work right here. I mean, you're you're saying, man, I can do a little bit. I can do a lot. I can do nothing. But these are hard words. Let's look at this. Pray without ceasing does not mean constantly mumbling some prayers. That's not what it means. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean talking on the phone with God continuously. Here's what it does mean. It means not hanging up the phone. It means not putting the phone back on the hook. Y'all know what that means? I asked, I asked him that last night as well. Y'all know what it means not to put the phone back on the hook? Nobody, I, I figured you. Ha- if you do, then that tells your age. Because majority of people don't remember what a phone and a hook was and it had to have a cord with it you had to be what at least 40 for that putting it on the hook what it means is don't hang up the phone it means when you're talking to God you might lay it down on the counter you might have some time that you had to lay it down but you don't ever hang it up you pick it up pretty regular true prayer is an attitude of the heart it's a desire of the heart When our hearts are aligned with what God desires, what he rightfully deserves, we want to pray with him all day long. And when we do, the Holy Spirit intercedes in us and it intercedes for us. It gives us the strength that we need. It gives us what we need to move forward. Let's look at a few things. I'm almost done. There's many characteristics that describe the almighty God. And these are things when we when we talk about God, we talk about his names. All of his names have a meaning. They all have something they tell you about him. When you look at his characteristics, they all describe him. They're all positive issues that help us. But we want to understand all the characteristics of God. There's two key ones that I want to look at this morning. He is good and he is faithful. Our God is good and he is faithful. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that in order to experience the goodness and the faithfulness of God, it says we must taste and see that the Lord is good. That means you've got to get all of him. You taste and see that the Lord is good. So let me encourage you and challenge you. When times are good and when times are bad, worship him, praise him, obey him. Be thankful in everything that you do. You won't be disappointed. But we need to be thankful for God for who he, what he's done for us. 
for who he is and what he, we're trusting him to do in the future. That's what we need to be thankful for. Amen? Amen? This God loves us. Man, he loves us so much. God, it's amazing how much God loves us. And we are unlovable. We didn't deserve what he gave us, but he gave it to us anyway. He loves us. He offered heaven as a free gift. We don't deserve it. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish. Perish means to be eternally separated from God. We will not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2.8. By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. You know that. You say, well, Brother Kerry, you tell me that every week. Well, let me tell you something. I, I'm going to get to the point. And the point is you've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be going through the motions, but if you've never made that profession of faith, if you've never turned it over to Jesus Christ, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, now's the time to do it. Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace we have been saved. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the Lord, glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God, and we can't get to him through it. He can't get us through it. He had to have some kind of uh, sacrifice. Something had to take the place of sin. And Jesus Christ was the one who did it. Man, he went to that rugged cross for you and for me so that we would have eternal life with the Father in heaven. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it doesn't leave anybody out. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, what you are or what you have been. It says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, and that time could be 80-plus years, it could be 20-plus years, we talk about families going on and, and automobile accidents, injuries, all kinds of things. Sickness takes people off this earth every single day. The death rate is 100%. At some point, we're all going to go, and we don't know that time when we're going to go, but we want to make sure that we know where we're going to spend eternity because we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And the decisions we make on this earth decide where we spend eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to be down front. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Please come share with me your desire to want to know him. And I'll lead you in the sinner's prayer. I'll help you understand who he is and what he has done for each of us. Others in this congregation, maybe there's others that just want to come down to the altar and pray. Our deacons would love to pray with you. This altar is always open for you to come and pray. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a, a, a struggle. It can be anything that you want lifted up, that you want to lay at the Father's feet. This altar is open for you. Whatever it is, I'd pray with you. Our deacons will pray with you. You can pray right in your seat, whatever the, whatever the issue is. Certainly, there's, there's, it's available for you. Maybe they're looking for a church home. And I encourage you to make this one your home because this is a great place to call home. Whatever the time, the decision is, just time is set aside for you. We're not looking around. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. This is your vertical relationship and your time with the Father this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I come to you with a humble heart. And I thank you for the promises that are in your word. God, I thank you for your word, for who you are and how much you love us. And God, help us to always give thanks for that. Help us to always have thankful hearts for you and for, to show you that we're thankful for you. And Father, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, as we move forward in this time of invitation, God, I just ask that you touch lives and you touch hearts. And God, let us feel your presence. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.